Welcome to Rooted Within with Lily and Dan, a podcast that shines a spotlight on positive change makers, sharing their stories of legacy, inspiration, and impact. Each episode, Lily and Dan will speak to individuals who have made their dreams a reality, exploring their journeys, mindset shifts, and what motivated them. Join us as we explore the lives of those who are making a difference and let their stories inspire you to achieve your own goals. I didn't know that I didn't really think that I would be at horrible, disgusting crime scenes, terrible accidents, sitting with people who just lost four members of their family, trying to get them to talk to me about it, sitting with fathers in emergency rooms whose kids were dying. And, you know, like I didn't think about any of this stuff. I lost my mom when I was 27. She had pancreatic cancer. She was 53, the age I am now. And so I think that experience and just feeling helpless to help her really put me into like looking for alternatives and and sent me down that road, even though consciously I didn't know it. I now know that women with mental health challenges or trauma, adverse childhood experiences, whatever, have a harder time. You've been dealing with stuff and dealing with stuff in a certain way and it just stops working. And everyone says that, like what I'm doing to to lose weight isn't working. Rooted Within with Lily and Dan. Good afternoon, Lily. Hi, Dan. How was your week? My week has been hectic. It's been really it's been hectic. Really hectic. I'm, Things I'm, are ramping up now. Yeah, on the on the constant. Back on the Barocca. Back, back we're going to get the podcast sponsored by Barocca. I know, I know it's a Barocca. It's the only way we're going to get through this season, <laughs> I think. But we I can't wait for you to introduce our new guest because it's an awesome name. It's an awesome name. We've got Anne-Marie McQueen. <laughs> In the, it's got a in real the studio. ring to it. Yeah, it's not to be fashion. Thank you, my parents. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank them for sure. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yeah. This is great. It's awesome to have you in here. It's nice to come to a podcast that's shot like this. Properly set up. Like, yeah. Properly set up. It's yeah. lovely. I mean, Yas- Yasmin and JJ do a great job. So they like, do. We're going to give a, like, shout a shout out, out shout to out. podcast now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but welcome. Thank you. So yeah, so obviously it's good to have you here and yeah, really looking to hear your story and get a bit to get to know you. I can't even speak this afternoon. Get to know a little bit about yourself. It's been a long day already. Okay. okay. Yeah. Where would you like me to start? Right at the born. beginning, offers help. Yeah. No, really, do that. Like, I, really, was like, yeah, I was born. <laughs> take, yeah. take it from there. Well, I'm from Canada. Okay. And I'm a journalist mm-hmm. and I've spent half my career in Canada and then half my career in the UAE. I came over in 2008 for the launch of the national newspaper. Oh, wow. So I was on that team. Oh, wow. Okay. Which was the coolest thing in the world. I mean, it was huge then because it wasn't really a, a national newspaper. No. There wasn't any newspaper that was Imagine really a publication doing. here. But how does someone from Canada end up in the UAE? Well, there was a lot of Canadians that started that paper okay. because the editor was Martin Newland, which is why I applied. And he worked for the Telegraph, but then he had also started a newspaper in Canada called the National Post. Okay. So he was very well known and like revered. Yeah, respected. And yeah, and that was one of the reasons I wanted to come. But I was 37 at the time. And, you know, I had never actually consciously thought about living abroad, but I wanted to. I always, yeah. you know, in moments of discontent would sort of search on my yeah, laptop pack and look on. Yeah. And I knew a few people who'd done it and freelanced. I'm like, I'm not brave enough for that. And it's weird when you have kind of a calling because I now know it was a calling to go. But at first I bought a condo, condominium and decorated it and then, you know, moved into it and everything. And then a year later, I'm sitting in the nice apartment looking around going, ticking, oh, yeah, ticking off the of list. This yeah. way, right. I still, <laughs> so had a breakup. And then that night, uh, we just was back looking on the international job boards and saw a newspaper in Abu Dhabi, which I had to Google 
I didn't yep. know where it was. Mm-hmm. A lot of people didn't nope. until Sex in the City came along. Yeah. And, um, and also, as well, like, it's not the real Abu Dhabi. Not yeah. there. It's not. <laughs> like, but I did like, notice. That's definitely not Emirates Palace. <laughs> but I did notice everyone knew where it was after yeah. that. Like it was like before yeah, really when I was being. Yeah. Yeah. Because I guess Dubai overshadowed it in many ways. A hundred percent. Because everyone knows Dubai. Yeah. And when I found out where it was, I'm well, like, people used to think that Dubai was the capital. True story. They yeah. still do. In mm, fact, yeah. so many people say to me, uh, you know where you live in Dubai, how's Dubai when you're in like, No, yes. I live in Abu Dhabi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So anyway, I came to launch that and that was just the experience of a lifetime. It was over 200 journalists. It was like, I don't know what you call it where you're from, Frosh Week at university, Freshers Week. Yeah, we call uh, it Freshers yeah, Week yeah. in the UK. Yeah, so it was like that. Like okay. it was like, I had no idea that it was going to be like that. It was a huge party. It was a huge, so much fun. It was people from all over the world. There's lots of infighting because you had British journalists and American journalists and Canadian journalists. And I was so excited because I thought, we'll all be working together. But it was like sort of like rivalries, like not slanding or doubt. Like there was it was actually a little bit like that, but just the super coolest experience. How did you get into journalism? Me? um, I always wanted to be in journalism. Okay, What was it that attracted you? Telling stories. Okay, Mm. And actually looking back, I've been going over this now because I'm going over a lot of my life lately. Yeah. processing a lot of things. It's interesting because many people are right now. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a thing. Yeah. Tra- like, and, and looking at past sort of traumas or yeah. adverse experiences. And I had never acknowledged that the beginning of my journalism career was very traumatic. When I say I went into it to tell stories, I didn't know that I didn't really think that I would be at horrible, disgusting crime scenes, Type terrible accidents, yeah. sitting with people who just lost four members of their family trying to get them to talk to me about it, sitting with fathers in emergency rooms who, whose kids were dying. And, you know, like I didn't think about any of this, this is like stuff. Deep, this is taking real, a dark turn. Even, no, but it's like deep, real emotional. <laughs> yeah. Content. And I was ill-equipped. I'm a very sensitive person and it was like not in the greatest match. But um, first of all, I had to do, go work in really small places. So mm. I had to go start out. Journalism is really tough job to get into. It's yeah, like I can imagine. Into radio or television yeah. and I was one of the only people in my journalism class to get a job because I went and worked in Tilsonburg, which is like a tobacco little tiny town of 12,000 people. Wow. And my friends would always make fun of me because I would write stories about like a giant zucchini. Someone would call and say, I grew this massive zucchini <laughs> or I have a two-headed tulip or like crazy stuff. Like, Sheep show. Yeah, someone's you know. cat got stuck up a tree. Yeah. Like they, yeah. Were, they were those kinds of wow. stories. But you have to do those stories I mean, to learn gonna, how to do. You're going to start somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. So- you also have to do that and then you have to do the crime and you have to do the horrible stories before you, you got to earn your stripes. Yeah. And then I got a column and then I was out of that stuff. You still do a lot of sad stuff, you know, you, like murder, you know, they'll send you to the murder trial or they'll send you to what's the Supreme the saddest, Court case. What's the saddest story that sticks out for you in your memory? Oh my gosh. I always think about this mom whose daughter was, her and her best friend were walking alongside the road in oh, the country God. home from a party you know, they'd been drinking and having a great time. And this guy uh, was drunk and he sideswiped, sideswiped them. Mm-hmm. And the friend woke up in a ditch and didn't know what went on. Didn't notice she was injured, went home, went to bed. The other girl had <gasps> died. And that trial, the mom and the way she just, you know, she wore the button. She couldn't let it go. Yeah. The man, his wife had a baby. She was in court. He had a drinking problem. Like every single aspect of it. just like really traumatic. Just couldn't even. Yeah. And the girl, the parents of the girl who died were so angry at the friend because oh they thought she went home and didn't care. And, yeah. and I, you know, all these things I now know happen when, you know, when you read a story in the paper and you're like, why didn't they do this after? Yeah. Well, we know people don't always react in the way yeah. that we think they would react yeah. when they've been in shock. So 
So it was yeah, I guess that's one of the saddest all-around stories. I just thought this is like it was horrible giant for shame. everyone. Yeah, yeah it's just horrible. I remember the wife of the man. He also didn't know he did it. Yeah. Oh, I mean, and then they, they argued that he was willfully blind and he must have known. He thought he had it. It was just all around. Yeah. Good times. Everyone's kind of like a victim in that scenario. It was. It was just, you know, I always look for the silver lining and the learning. and the. But with that one, it was just very, very difficult to find out. How, yeah. how did you go home at the end of the night and sort of shed that? Well, this and- is the thing. Like, this is what I'm realizing now. All these 20, you know, 20, 22 years later. That I didn't. Okay. And I, yeah. And I didn't, you know, when I got up to Ottawa, which is the, uh, where this st- oh, stuff all happened, which is the capital of Canada. And that's where I had most of my, my eight year, I spent eight years there. It was just a very tough environment. There was no one, you wouldn't say, I, I feel upset about this. I saw something. The editors were mean. Yeah. Mental health did not exist. No. Right. So you either did a good job on the story or you, or you missed something that that competition had. That was it. Like, yeah. wow. and I, I, I drank. I drank toxic a lot. Back then. Yeah, I drank a lot. Like I, I didn't drink regularly at home alone, but I would go out, blow off, socially drink. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I remember for a while there, we always worked every other weekend, so I had Mondays off, and I, I would try to find someone to drink with on Sunday night, wow. which is hard because that's like everyone's yeah, working Sunday on Monday. Yeah. I would really, I would, I would. That would be a mission. And looking back, I, I don't drink anymore, and that's that's one of the things I think. But about. I mean, we can compare that to the events industry. Yeah, you know, that's where we're from sure, primarily. Yeah. So it's very similar. Yeah. Um, you know, harsh. harsh pressures, you know, can be quite a toxic environment sometimes, yes. can be quite, you know, alpha masculine dominated. It reminds you of film, right? It's a bit yeah. like that because you've got crews and if yeah. you work on a crew and you're good, you continue on. Yeah. But it's okay. I worked in restaurants before mm. uh, journalism and it was very similar, right? Yeah. Like there's yelling and screaming, yeah. but then like you all sit down and have a beer. And you have to, yeah, uh, you, 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 you have to, to swallow, you have to swallow a lot. Yeah. You know, there's, yeah. A, you know, whether it's client, whether it's agency, oh. whether it's a supplier, at, at some point or another, we've all had to just yeah. swallow. And that eats, yes, eats at you. So how was the experience moving to Abu Dhabi then? Because I'm guessing the journalism is very different here. Yeah. And the, the, the stories and the things that you report on, I guess, are, are quite different. Yeah. And here was the first place that I became an editor. So okay. I had always been a, a reporter and a columnist and I did, never wanted to do that. And then I came over here as a copy editor and then became the arts and life and then the features editor. So it was a lot different. I was a reporter briefly mm-hmm. um, during very hot time. And that's because <laughs> I, when I got here, I was like, I want to be a reporter again. And then I mm. had a few assignments outside and I decided that those were great skills, by the way, like to become an editor and put yeah. all of those yeah. things together. And when I started running a department. It's very different. Um, obviously, you can't report on all the things that you can report mm-hmm. on. Um, in the West. But one thing that's been very interesting, A, is watching the evolution and the opening up mm-hmm. of, of, yeah. of the media here and watching the closing up of the media elsewhere. And the, and yeah, the censorship that's, that's, that's a really good point. Yeah. I've really been able to, I, I always, you know, we always go back home, stay here, go back home, stay here. I love yeah. it here. I want to stay here. I'm yeah. getting my golden visa. I'm so excited. Nice. But um, one day last year, I thought, I know why I was here through COVID, so I could see this, so I yeah. could spot it. Because if I was in Canada, I, I wouldn't have seen it. Yeah. 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 But it's really interesting to talk about the closing down of media elsewhere, because it's, you know, it's very much becoming, it's becoming very polarized as well. It's crazy. You know, it's like either one side or the other. It's yeah. not kind of that neutral journalism that you used to have before. Everything's, um, like, you know, most of the stories I read in COVID, whatever you think of COVID, most of the stories I read in COVID, I would have sent back to the reporter. Mm-hmm. I would have sent them back. I... It's, you stopped presenting another side. There was no critical voices whatsoever. And there was an argument that we were sort of in a wartime um, situation where <laughs> propaganda is like, mm. you know, justified. 
but it hasn't stopped. And it started years before. It started with these many articles you see where writers are acting as sort of cheerleaders. Mm. And I never saw... I never saw that before because I was immersed in it. That's why I kind of call myself a recovering journalist now because okay. I just see it. And I'm not sure I, I, I mean, I am sure I couldn't go back into traditional yeah. media now, even if probably like the Globe and Mail or the New York Times offered me a column. I, I don't know. They haven't, but you said recovering journalist. So you've left journalism. Well, okay. I run a platform um, called Live Healthy, which is, you know, the only men's and women's health and wellness uh, platform in the Middle East. I have my own platform, Hot Flashing, which is for women and perimenopause and menopause and midlife. I'm doing journalism, yeah. but I call myself a recovering journalist because the way I see journalism being done now, I'm not a fan of it. Okay. There is often a narrative, and I, I guess there always often was. There's an agenda behind it, mm-hmm. I guess now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I guess there always was, you know, because yeah. I used to. There always I, was. I think back, there always was, but I just didn't see it. Yeah. And I guess when I was younger, I lost my mom when I was 27. She had pancreatic cancer. She was 53, the age I am now. And um, she was sort of unwell for a long time. She was just like an unwell person, like a beautiful woman and a nurse, but unwell. And so I think that experience and just feeling helpless to help her really put me into like looking for alternatives and, and sent me down that road, even though consciously I didn't know it. And I now know those stories when I was doing them, the pushback I would get. In, in Ottawa, yeah. and even when I came to the National from the British editors that I would be working for, it was the same sort of agenda, right? It was just like this natural, you know, natural remedies and sound healing. And those things were squashed. Yeah. And I now know kind of what that was, but I didn't at the time, you know, because okay. no one ever squashes anything. No one ever says, except we had, a, except our first editor at the National. You just can't do that story. I really, really respected him for saying yeah. that. But it's never like that. Like, mm. And this is when people talk about the media and say the media as if it, and they've been saying this for my entire career. And I would yeah, say, look, true. I know it's this, like, it's, it's not, it's me just trying to find the truth and tell the story. Like I'm not part of some group, but now that I think back to it, but you were like, a tr- you're but pushing you, up But you against, were a true journalist. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying, yeah, I try. Do you know what I mean? That's, yeah. that, that's, that's what journalism is about, yeah. about the story, about getting to the heart of the story. It's not about any bias or anyone's opinion. Yeah. It's yeah. about what is there, get all the facts. Hopefully. So, yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. But you said, so you said you've gone to, into health and wellness. Yeah. Like I, How did I that just happen? sort of side, I, after I lost my mom, it just yeah, became it an became interest, a, you know? Okay. And always like, why was my mom's mom sicker? Like, why was she mm. sick? And I think now that was part of the reason is trying to get to the bottom of why some people get sick and some people don't get sick. And uh, did you find an answer to that? Um, <laughs> no, it just gets more complicated. But yes. Okay. But I don't, I don't want anyone to think that I think you're responsible for, for whatever happens to you. Mm-hmm. Because I think there's a lot of bad luck. Yeah. But I think. But lifestyle and lifestyle choices research, does play a, a massive 100%. role in it. Of course. And the way that your mind works. Yeah. And where your mind goes and what mm-hmm. you focus on and how honest you are. I've been through all these health challenges myself in my yeah. 40s. So, you know, I had gut issues for years. What was I doing? Ignoring all that trauma. And those gut mm. issues started. IBS started right around when I got that job in Ottawa, you know, and the drinking, right? Like these are things I didn't understand. And I've just been through a whole healing process because you can't have IBS for 20 years without it like coming back to bite you. Mm. Your body just works on backup systems until it doesn't. So, um, 
Yeah. Because I had like really bad trouble for ages with gut issues and IBS and I had to get to the root cause of it and it was anxiety. It was stress. How long did it take you to admit um, I probably had it for about six or seven years. And how many doctors were like, we don't know. Like, yeah, I didn't even properly go to doctors. Oh, really? I just allowed it to happen. Right. I just thought that was part of normal life. Did you feel like, like tired and... Tired, exhausted. Yeah. I'd wake up with the most excruciating pain every oh, single morning man. for at least three years. It was really bad, um, especially after the pain from COVID. And it wasn't until the conversations mm. that we had like halfway mm. through last year. And it was like, you need to go and like, go fix whatever yeah. is going on. Didn't necessarily go and see a doctor, but, that but was just the thing. had to take time out. You, he didn't see it. Did, you didn't see it. That was the crazy thing. And I'm just looking at him that. going, you're not okay. Not, something's not right. Yeah. You are not okay. There was a whole series of issues and I went yeah. to see a therapist and actually started to go through the trauma. And it wasn't until like actually going through that experience, then you can start to feel calm again. You start to understand the triggers. You start yeah. to understand the situations that give you that anxiety. Yeah. And um, it kind of naturally got to a place where it was much better. Wow. Yeah, and it's really interesting because it's all starting to come back a little bit right now because right. we're, we're in the middle of the event. Well, we're about to start the event season. So it's obviously quite a stressful environment. And um, I can really feel that. I can see that trigger now. But like I they never, say. I'd never acknowledge it before, but now it's like I can clearly but see But like it. they say, body, mind and soul. They're connected. Yeah. yeah. If one's out of balance, it's yeah. going to screw with the we others. We were like this. We were, we, we were all, t- everything was together. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> like what, you know, you talk about the vagus nerve. Like this is, no one even knew this when I started going to doctors. Mm. Like, oh, I don't know what is that. Yeah. The, the vagus, vagus nerve. nerve. Yeah, it's just like that? a massive nerve in your body. You have mm. to start paying attention to it. Really? You can actually do like exercises that will work and help you calm. It's just a massive nerve that runs like all One single nerve. Well, it's like a, a system. It's like a system. through your body. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The other thing that really helped me because I've been healing this this year was an app called Nerva. I don't have any affiliation with them. Okay. I paid for it for three months. And it's just daily hypnosis and dense information. Okay. And at the end of that time, I was like, yeah, this is fully connected. Like it took me that amount of time. And then I worked with the doctor yeah. or whatever. But. but it is all interconnected. You know, the I guess like the stresses in the environment you put your body under, that has a, a negative reaction. Plus as well, yeah, like lifestyle choices or not even choices really. It's just the way that we conduct life or the situations we find ourselves in the traumas. But it's it, like one thing I learned going through my own little trauma last year, it was that trauma lives in the body. Yes. Completely. Not in the mind. Yeah. So like, I, you know, I was going, I went to therapy. I'm like, you know, I've, I went through this. I need tools to deal with that. I go, how, can, how do I overcome this? And I'm sitting there with them and they're doing the whole peace, love and mum beans, you know, whatever conversation. My, my, my dog got hit by a car and I, I saw it. So it, that was the part that I'm like, how do I mm-hmm. get past this, you know? And, um, and I'm sitting there in the therapy and I'm like, I just want to punch you. Like, honestly, I just want to punch you. You're not helping. It's not working. What you're saying isn't working. Right. And only because no matter what she said, it wasn't going to fix me because trauma, the, that sort of trauma yeah, sits in, it's in your body. You yeah. got to get it out of your body. So that's, that's still something I need well, to sort out. Doesn't work. Yeah, I not, went not, not for that. But not, no. And, and I, I think she told me, what did she help me realize? Um, I was codependent and I yeah. had, I had this Listen, from my childhood. She didn't help me fix it. Yeah. No, no, I, I, I do. Let, let me just to clarify. I, I think therapy is one of the best gifts. Personally, I think it's one of the best gifts you can give yourself because not everyone understands the mind. Yeah. Not everyone understands behavioral. Not under. Not everyone has a Emotion great level feelings. of. So don't have things. the right level of self care. Yeah. Speaking with someone and explaining that they're able to sort of help yeah. you digest and understand. And then you have to go and action that. Obviously, the healing is is up to you. Yeah. But. When I say the therapist wasn't useful to me was because for me, it was about how do I stop seeing yeah. 
you know, yeah. my my and my dog getting hit by run over by a car over and over again. How how do I stop seeing it? Because like I would, it, it it was in my body. So that that's what I meant by so talking. What did you, what did you I, it hasn't fixed yet. Okay. I'll, I'll be honest. It hasn't fixed yeah. yet. I haven't found something. But like I I, I avoid going. It, it happened near just outside my house, so I can't even drive the driveway. It's oh, crazy. Gosh. You know, and you just say, you know, if I need to scream, I scream. If I need yeah. to cry, I cry. I do I do what I need to do. But well, it needs time. You're like. You know, I fell, I fell off a chair in Thailand uh, when I, about four or five months ago and jammed my arm. Like, mm. I was getting this giant wasp that was the size of a gerbil and made this weird sound out of my room. And I fell off the chair because when it came out, it flew at me. Oh, and I jammed my arm. And I only bring it up because the arm still hurts. Yeah. yeah. I can only just now do planks. Mm. It still really mm. hurts. It takes time well, to heal. This is what you're yeah. dealing with emotionally, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. But I do think talk therapy is a great intro, but now we're seeing all this mm. somatic work, right? Lots of yeah. somatic. This, and I've been doing this. Mm. I just So did what a, somatic? It's like getting the trauma out of your tissues. And this yeah. sounds crazy to some no, people. I believe it. But listen, when I was like 30, I would go for, I ran a lot. And mm. I would, at, sometimes in the middle of my run, I would double over bawling, crying. Mm. Like, it's or I would do pigeon in yoga and cry. A lot of people, this happens to a lot of people. I don't ask people, do you ever... I did this my whole life. Do you ever, this has ever happened to you? Mm. And of course, no one's. And people, like, when no. they say, yeah. they go, no, you're like, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. No, yeah, yeah, yeah no. no. I did this my whole life, like outsourcing. Because you couldn't just look it up in the internet all the time. There wasn't that much info. But now I just have been seeing more and more. Like, it's just a beauty. It's like, you know, a trend. Oh, it's all a over trend. Instagram. It's all yeah. over. But I tried in August this program called Workout Witch. Mm-hmm. And it was a 30-day, like, hip trauma release. And I, I, I mean, I was like, this isn't even doing anything. Like, so it was just little movements. And there's also tremoring, which you'll like get yourself to shake. Okay. The theory is that people shake after traumas naturally. Yeah. And it's part of our natural response to sort of rid our body so of it's that. Taking you wow. um, that's a whole other thing. Meanwhile, this whole month that I'm like, this isn't even doing anything. I'm sleeping like 10 hours a night. Yeah. I'm feeling tired, but like in a way, like in a soft relaxed yeah. way i'm crying all way. the time <laughs> like it is working yeah it's just so hard for us to connect it's yeah. very slow things. yeah but like you're talking about years yes and i did i did two other sessions in a week one week i did a, like a tremor and release session and that's a really that's the sort of tremoring and then i did a somatic therapy with a girl who took this training and was just sort of trying it out on me and then i got really sick i got a bad cold and i was talking to my doctor i have a great integrative physician and she said that's like, that's way too much to do. Mm. And I, I was joking with her. I'm like, well, to be honest, I kind of thought I could deal with all the trauma in August and then just hit September. Yeah, clear. All done. I'm just going to clear it. That sounds ridiculous when I say it out loud. But in my <laughs> mind, I was like, yeah, we'll just tie this up. <laughs> <laughs> You're the type of person that likes to get things done yeah, quickly. just tie this all up. Yeah. No, it no I haven't like really started. I finished the 30 days, but I've got a lot more. What stuff do you think of breath work? Oh, I think it's amazing. Actually, that tremor and release was also breath, well, work. breath work. And I think it's great to do it with other people. Mm. I think a lot. I think I'm craving other people after COVID. After I yeah. just like uh, online things are fine, but I just You're love being person. in the room with yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. it's the energy of people as well. Oh God, it's great. We can't we yeah. can't live not without always. that. Not always. <laughs> true. Very very true. <laughs> But that sort of health, side of health isn't the only thing you're doing. I'm actually really, really interested to hear about all the work you're doing with menopause, this the hot flashes. the platform. Yes. Okay. My, my which I think is awesome. But maybe I didn't So, have. I mean, this is a topic which is, you know, people often shy away from this. Oh, it was taboo. People, people you don't, don't talk like about to it. talk about the menopause. Yeah. I, I mean, when you're a woman, first of all, menopause happens around 51, 49, I just heard. This is like one of the average ages. 
I mean, but it can happen earlier world. or later. Well, well, there's perimenopause. Perimenopause, which is okay. all the years before it. So that can be 8, 10. Today, I just heard someone say 10 to 15 They said it before. easily could be wow. 10 years. Subtle changes that you don't even notice. Your mm. cycle could be the same, but you're having um, subtle changes. And if you haven't... Before we jump into yeah. that, what made you oh, focus on this? Well, I had a terrible perimenopause and I didn't know it. Oops. Oh, wow. So okay. When I talk about working on all this stuff, I hit 41... And things just really went sideways for me. And I had no idea what was going on. Explain sideways. I I mean, I started having terrible nightmares every oh, wow. night that I was dying. And, and the I repeat was, nightmare. Every night. Oh, wow. I was, ta- I was to take a pill to keep me alive. And when I woke up, like a movie, like, yeah. <gasps> I would have forgotten to have taken the pill for a period of time. So I would be on the brink of death. And yeah. so I would wake up scrambling through my bedside table looking for this pill on my hands and knees. Like, where's the pill? Where's the pill? It was so bizarre. And um, I started having panic attacks and really bad intrusive thoughts, like just terrible, like out for dinner, like your house is on fire. My, I text my brother. He doesn't text me back, which is normal. Yeah, he must uh, be dead. The family's in a ditch. Yeah. The, car, yeah. the, van, the van's in a ditch. Yeah. Like the, the whole family's in the ditch. I took my niece once I was home visiting and my dad got us tickets for the figures, World Figure Skating Championships. I used to be a figure skater. This is my dream. I never thought I'd ever be able to go to this. It's always in like Japan or yeah. Switzerland or something. It's in my hometown. I take my niece to daycare. I take her in. She's a little toddler. I take off her little snowsuit. I take her in her little room. I leave, come back. My dad picks me up. We're sitting. It's like Blades of Glory. You know that Will Ferrell yeah. movie? It's hilarious. It's awesome. It's packed. You left her in the car. She's frozen. Oh, God. And in my body... That is the reality. And I don't know what's happening, right? I just, why am I getting this thought? And I want to say something to my dad and I want to go call my brother, but I can't because I know that's insane. You don't want them thinking you're crazy. Yes, because I know I took her in, Yeah, but I don't know it because I'm having this. Yeah. And then, and it would take me like two days to calm down from something like that. All my eyelashes fell out. Like there were, I had developed a sudden fear of flying. Your eyelashes physically fell out. Actually, really. Okay. Twice. You do not want to lose your eyelashes. No, I Um, and it takes a while to come back, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I had, I had, I was to deal with the anxiety. I was doing what I had always done, which is workout, create like crazy workout plans. You know, like I mean, spin for forty-five minutes, like race really over to big room. Like I would make these plans, and then I feel better. And then, but then drink on the weekend. You know, binge yeah. drink on the weekend, brunch or whatever. And then just really suffering. It's fear of flying. Terrible. Just uh, you know, I'm flying back and forth to Canada constantly. And I just all of a sudden have to drink like Jack Daniels to get on the plane. I can't. Well, many, and it literally many, many, happened overnight or? It, feel, it felt like it. Yeah. It really did. I started having tantrums. I mean, I was living with someone at the time and I remember just having like a, a tantrum because I spilled some juice. Like, and he said, we're not watching a movie. You have to go to sleep. Like I was like, yeah. you know, these things. And then physically just feeling very weird a lot of the time. And I, I remember sitting at my desk at the National just thinking, I think I'm having an aneurysm. I feel like I'm having a heart attack. At least I'm around these people when I fall out of my chair. Yeah. Like heart palpitations, I'm tingling all over my body. And me saying to people, do you ever get tingling all over your body? Do you ever, you know? So I went to probably 10, 12 doctors during this time. I had a visit to the ER because I thought I had deep chest pain. I thought I was having a heart attack. It wasn't until... Like, no one said a word to me about perimenopause. I was just saying, I don't give you a diagnosis up until this point of what it no, could like have been. I, like Listen, I did. Like, even when I was growing up, it was literally, for menopause was after 50. There was nothing else. That was yeah. it. That was to the me, information. To me, it was like 60. Like, to me, this yeah. is in the far off. Yeah. And, it, and the other thing was, for as long as you've got your period, 
you can have babies. All these mm. things that were just not mm-hmm. freaking true. So to go back to that then, so you can be perimenopausal and still have a period. Yeah, yeah. my period was regular. Okay, okay. so perimenopausal, sim- and correct me if I'm wrong, because yeah. um, again, these are things that I've only just recently found out. It doesn't mean that your period's stopping. It just means certain things are changing. So, for example, you evolving. may you you may have had you know you uh, you may not have had PMS before. Yeah. Now all of a sudden no, you're getting again, PMS. Yeah. Uh, your body temperature now sort of you know your your body temperature escalates when you're mm-hmm. getting you're ovulating and you know whatever before you may not have noticed it because it was very little. Now you might you know get really hot, uh, get a lot hotter, yeah. and it's like you know that sort of stuff. Or you know your period used to last five days, now it only lasts four days. Yeah. Or you might start missing evolution. start missing some periods. All this would happen to women, and women had no idea that that was perimenopause. It means you're on your way. Things are changing. Yeah. It's and, the beginning of the process. It's the beginning of a very long yeah. process. So it, like they said, it could last for 10 years. But Perimenopausal, perimenopausal can last 10 years or the yeah, menopause? Can, can menopause is, menopause, there's a little bit of a dispute. That yeah. Menopause is the moment in time when you haven't had your period for 12 months. For 12 months, right? But then there's... And then you're in postmenopause. But then there's a whole school of thought so that what, you're that, actually in menopause for the, all the rest of the time you don't have your period. Got you. Yeah. Women in menopause. You hear that a yeah. lot now. And I like that. I feel like that's a better way to sort of describe it. Yeah. And in perimenopause. Yeah, because I'd never heard of it being perimenopause. You've hit menopause if you haven't had it and then now you're postmenopause. Yeah. That's, I think that's silly. It makes no sense. Yeah, you're, I know, you're, that's sense. it. You're done. A lot you're, you're, of stuff about this makes wow, no sense. Wow. Okay. People interesting. People don't know a lot about it. Yeah. yeah. Your period can change. And what's happening, what I realize now I mean, I had a lot of care during that time. I had a naturopath who helped me with adrenal exhaustion when my eyelashes fell out. And but I had when, a lot of unbalances, but no one said, you know, it's perimenopause. The, you this know, is, a, this this is, is a when period. you hit this time, this is what starts happening. And now I know all the psychological stuff. When the earliest stages you start, it's always, pe- the conversation gets like hijacked by estrogen. Mm. But really what starts happening is your progesterone, progesterone starts going down. And that impacts your stress response, the the HPA axis, they call it, the hypothalamus, pituitary, adrenal axis. And so oftentimes in the early stages, the integrative people are way further ahead. You just need, maybe need a little progesterone or you maybe just need to add magnesium and walks and just be aware. Yeah. But if you're wandering around, like a lot of women, and until I was 47 is when I missed a period. My periods were regular, but like you said, they changed. The, mm. the heavy day would be the fourth day. The crampy day would be the fourth yeah. day. Like that's what I've heard. Yeah, Again, no, it's, you know. But you don't want this to be happening, right? No. this means you're getting old. And this well, means yeah, so this is like, so you're in denial. psychologically, this yeah. is quite a challenge because then yeah, you're, you're starting to confront your age, mortality, like many different but also, things. But also, you know, the, the ability it's to have like children. It feels yeah. like. It's the, it, the, to, to me, it was like one of the things was like, oh, yeah, brilliant. Like when you're younger, you're like, oh, can't wait to hit menopause, no more periods. Because, yeah. you know, you sp- women spend their lives having to deal with this period that yeah. gets, you know, there's a lot of traumas and things to do with that. And then as it, as it sort of creeps over and gets closer, you sort of mm. hold on. A big part of what it is to be a woman is well, fertility. Identity, I guess. Well, it's fertility. The to have children. To the ability to have children. Yeah. So it's one, th- you know, it's one thing to have fertility issues. That's one thing. But then there will be a day where you can no longer physically have kids. Yeah. That, that fucks with your head. Yeah, of course. It really does. Because it's like, oh, I'm broken. I'm, I'm, I'm like, throw me in yeah. the bin. I'm done. Yeah. And the messaging about it is like, horrific. You're, you know, she's, yeah. Tried why I started this platform is, first of all, I found it. I missed a period. I'm yeah. like, okay, I'm in perimenopause. I did some research. I didn't like what I saw. I'm a journalist. I decided this is negative. It's really negative. Yeah. And then I did, I did some reading and I, lo- I thought about all the happy older ladies 
And I have a friend who hung out with some older women. Her husband called them the menopause. They're so happy. Oh, I love it. So much cool. fun. So <laughs> I love it. That's a good t-shirt. I am. No, I'm going to. I call it menopause. I, thank you, Craig. But um, I think that the most important thing is that it's going somewhere good. But the narrative still is that it's the end. And yeah. women oh, and you are have just to suffer. Yeah. And you have to suffer. Yeah. That's how I've always understood it. It's gonna freaking suck. And there's nothing you but can do is, about it. It's so individual for every single woman. No. And you can't separate it from what you bring into this time. Mm. And I now know that women with mental health challenges or trauma, adverse childhood experiences, whatever, have a harder time. This is, the, you know... You've been you've been dealing with stuff and dealing with stuff in a certain way, and it yeah. just stops working. And everyone yeah. says that, like, what I'm doing to lo- do lose weight isn't working. What I'm doing to, you know, like drinking, numbing, shopping, whatever you do, it doesn't work anymore. You have yeah. to really reexamine everything. Agree. But it doesn't have to be terrible. I mean, there's there's women who have nothing. Yeah. There's tribes in Mongolia and Africa who've been studied who have nothing. They don't even have a name for it. Mm-hmm. So there's countries where it isn't terrible. There's places where women are suffering so much, but there's a lot more going yeah. on. And I think, yeah, I say the first, um, the first symptom of perimenopause is denial. And <laughs> once you can wrap it's your head. It's not happening. It's not happening. It was so much better once I realized yeah. it. And yeah. Because I guess then you can learn to live with it. Well, well you, you go, well, you find this, you find, you, you, you understand what's going on. Because it, it also, because me- well, it also like, again, it mentally affects you. Yeah. So one of the things is for, for women who are perimenopause or going through menopause, brain fog. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, like not being in the middle of doing something like a really dear, a dear friend of mine. And she's like quite seen her. She goes, Lily, I would sit in presentations and I'm presenting and I'd lose where I'm at. Yeah. And they, and not realizing that. And then she went to go, fire, you know, go get help, went to the dog. And then she found out, okay, she's, she's going through menopause. But it's because you don't know, then you can kind of well, attribute those symptoms to so many yeah. other things. You'll be like, oh my God, I'm getting dementia. Yeah. Oh my God, I'm having a heart attack. Yeah. Oh Everyone my God, I'm going crazy. Well, the yeah. heart, you know, yeah. menopause so was like, things. for me, it's like, oh my God, it's like hot flushes. It's like, yeah. Yeah, what is it? The night sweats. Yeah. Yeah. And, and some people don't, I've never really, I had a little bit of it. I saw yeah. people, I had a friend who was just waking up like 10 times a night. It's so different individual yeah, yeah it really it's a process is. it's a journey yeah but what's this part that gets lost all the time is that through this process however you decide to deal with it if you decide to take hormone therapy to help your symptoms if you decide to go the natural route if you decide to do the mixture you are going into a place of like huge wisdom yeah. and we've been sold a sort of story about this that is not true and I have just gone through that year. I'm like now officially in menopause or whatever. And I have had a very hard time in my life in terms of just coping and my emotions and believing in myself and knowing my worth. And what I've experienced in the last year is phenomenal. And I wouldn't trade it. And I'm super glad. Yeah. And so I just think if you don't have role models talking about it, this is what's so great about this time. Because ageism is the lastism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Particularly rough here in the UAE. Very uh, it's true. a very young place. But yeah. It's rough all over. And so this is all wrapped up in it. And I think we're dismantling it now. And I'm pretty excited about how many people are sort of talking about this. Like I mentioned to you guys earlier that, you know, big podcasts like Peter Atia and Andrew Huberman. And I heard Lewis House talking to someone about hormones today, fasting. And I heard Stephen Bartlett ask Mindy Peltz, who's a fasting expert. Like, how's menopause going? And she said, thank you for asking. And I'm mm. like, this is just happening. This is just. But I love, I love the fact that you, you, so every time you're saying the word, 
um, menopause, you actually smile. Yeah, interestingly. <laughs> yeah, you do. Every time yeah, you yeah, say yeah, it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So <laughs> I'm going to ask the question, so how's menopause going for you? Yeah, it's going great. And you know what's funny is that when I decided to do this, and I was called to do this, like I, I just had, there was, n- I probably would have done something else if I had my choice, but I just had to. I became obsessed yeah. and I spent so much time on it. And I remember saying, okay, well, this is probably like the kiss of death for me ever having a boyfriend again, because like, she's going to want to date the woman who talks about menopause all the time. I, I dated a lot um, and no one cared. <laughs> no one cared. And then when you talk about something all the time, it just loses. Yeah. yeah it loses you know, so if other bunch. people are getting embarrassed when I'm saying it, I'm not noticing anymore. Like yeah. there's just no, it's lost all, you know, and it's been really good to me. I've met a, you know, a community of women around the world. I was in New York and uh, at the end of June for a talk. Um, with some celebrities and and it was it's it's a platform called Perry mm-hmm. and we had just had a great talk and and I just thought wow like how do I know all these women and I went um, to an event in Harlem with Black Girls Guide to Menopause and I met a girl Karen Arthur who came from England and she has menopause whilst black and I met all my buddies there and it was just it was insane I'm in a group in the UK called Mental Clarity I'm so are, happy to hear yeah. women talking about menopause women talking about menopause with each other yeah because it just it wasn't. It wasn't there. Oh, but you know what's funny? With my friends, my actual friends, we don't talk about it very much. See? They don't like talking about it. See? They don't. Is it because they're in denial? They're in denial. I don't even know what she's... It was just so taboo. But they don't like such, talking about it. So this is, I mean, we've talked about so many different things previous on different episodes, but this is such a natural process in life. It's happened forever. Yeah. Like, it's not something which has just all of a sudden happened to the, the female human well, race. Why don't we talk about it? It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's, you know, you have for erectile I'm Okay. I'm trying to think of a male, male version of this conversation. Well, there is andropause. I mean, there is a much less acute pervasive situation where men's testosterone is dropping. So, Our testosterone yes. is dropping as well from, but from, from our As a 42 year old male, I can think agree of, with yeah, that. And you okay. might have low T yeah. and you might yeah. get, you might get topped up and you might have a lot of the same brain fog, yeah. hot flashes Agreed. even. They're yeah. just not referred to in the same way with the same shame. Yeah. But men have shame about it. I have, yeah. I have spoken to Well, that's pretty true because men don't like talking about it. No. You know, especially when you're, well, you won't even talk about your prostate. You won't even, testosterone. Oh, but you guys won't even talk about your prostates. That's very true. <laughs> you won't talk about your feelings. You won't talk you know, about your prostate. I think I talk about my feelings too much now. <laughs> I've gone the opposite way. So yeah, so I kind of got a different level of but, attention. But, but I like, think, I think a part of it is, I, I think it, I think a bit of it is the whole female identity. Yeah. So the only equivalent I can think of, and, it, and it's a really stretch example, is if, if if men talked about infertility amongst them, they, they yeah. won't. Or erectile dysfunction. You know, like what it is to men be a man. at the time, right? Right. Yeah. So erectile dysfunction or, you know. Whispered to me, it's him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I've had that whispered to me so many times. You know. So, <laughs> Interesting. So I, I think what, it's something in there because just, if you talk about it, then you're admitting that you're you know, you're, you're there, yeah. you know, the, the only time someone's going to talk about menopause is if they're wondering if they're in menopause. And okay. if you admit you're in, in that, then that, then that starts, you have to start accepting the fact that a big part of what it is to be a woman in, in the world we live in and how we're yeah. identified. I'm not saying it is what yeah. I, but in the world we live in, a big value is put on your ability, you, you being a mother, your, your yeah, ability to have children. Yeah. If I swear, if men at some point in their lives, went through something that stopped them from being fertile, they would be having the same of issues. Of course. Mm. So they just, don't have to have that conversation. As you were talking, I was just trying to figure out, like, at what point in society did it become to be? Like, how? Because it's such a natural well, thing. Come on, uh, listen, until recently, no one talked about periods. 
Yeah, that true. is so true. I remember yeah. a young girl in the newsroom at the National mm. on a Saturday. Mm. She had like a tampon mm. and the photographer was like, he was my yeah. age and he was like, my God. And yeah. I kind of thought I was cool. Like yeah, she just yeah. pulled her tampon out. She didn't hide yeah. it. And her, Perfectly natural. And, yeah. But, 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 but for yeah. women, anything. That, yeah, but for, yeah, but for women, all evolution. those things, it was, yeah, it was not, it was uncouth. Mm-hmm. But also as well, people don't get educated about You know, this. what's the other thing we've learned? Women didn't even talk. Fertility wasn't spoken about. Yeah. Women going through fertility issues. People, couples who were suffering years trying to get pregnant suffered in silence. So is it because and now you that's that, becoming... Is it because it's almost like, you know, that shame of not being perfect? I, I think the word is simply shame. I think there yeah. was shame and it did so much damage yeah. because not talking about your period means not knowing about your cycle, yeah. which means not knowing what can cause infertility later. No. Like we all, I never knew that I could be having a period and not ovulating yes. and how dangerous that was. So, so Dan, uh, translation I'm here. So <laughs> much translation way, so translation much. here is pretty much most girls yeah. think because that's what we're taught. When you get your period, that means but you can ovulating. now have babies. Yeah. No, that you can have babies. You're yeah. now, a, you're a young woman. You're a full-fledged woman now. But the the irony is when you're having your period is not when you're fertile. Yeah. And most girls just thought, you know, if you get your period, you're fertile. No, it's got everything to do with ovulation. Yeah. They have no clue. So you could be having your period, but not be fertile. Have, and, and, have, and not know you had issues. And with, not be with, getting the immense physical benefits of ovulation, which exactly. obviously, obviously the way we're designed, everything's for a reason. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you're not ovulating, it's not great. Yeah. yeah. And that creates it's not great for a your real, yeah. Yeah. So, so much. So even the female community, I just find that it's so refreshing that they are talking to each other. So on that note then, so are people talking about it a lot more now? So much. Clearly. So much. much. I mean, just think about the birth control pill. I was put on the birth control pill when I was 16 to like regulate my cycle. Yeah. That's just nonsense. That's just ridiculous. Mm. Like, first of all, a 16-year-old probably won't have a normal cycle for a little while. Mm-hmm. And but secondly, they were dishing that out. basically puts you into menopause. It's, it overrides all your natural hormones with synthetic hormones. You're not ovulating for God knows how many years, 10 years of my life. And I'll never people, know. I guess that's why people struggle to ovulate or to, to conceive after taking well, the pill. we're still waiting for the research. The, the research like, hasn't, isn't definitive but like how, how can it not affect yeah of course you just override uh, our whole natural yeah. rhythm for yeah. a yeah. number of years there's it just there's a payback there just has to be I remember, a yin and yang I remember they used to prescribe birth control pills if girls had really bad acne yeah yeah, Beca- yeah to, to, the to hormones. fix hormone yeah. oh, and I'm like, fix- are you joking yeah. for acne you would do that to a because feed. the acne would be a response to well, it's your, a your hormones. It's level. the same thing with boys. You know, it's yeah. a it's a testosterone. Your hormones when you're you know going through that spurt. The you know they don't put boys on bloody. Yeah. You okay. have no idea what happened when you're on the pill too. I mean, no. it can shrink your clitoris by twenty percent. Oh really? Yes. Oh wow. I never know. Oh, they don't. <laughs> you never I'm know. so glad I Did didn't touch that stuff. they put on the I don't think they put that on the TV. No, they don't. I but I don't think one. it's in there. But I had a neighbor just say that was, when I was yeah, that that was definitely not uh, created think, by a woman. <laughs> I think even when I was 16 and not into that stuff yet, I think I would have still said that. No, yeah. but yeah. I just had a neighbor that lives near my uh, my father, and she came over and said her daughter hadn't had her period. She was in her early 20s, so we popped her on the pill. Yeah. You know, popped her on the pill. It's like popped her on the pill. Like, 
why is she not having her period? Wow. And that's just, I think just no one asking any questions, right? Yeah. This is my whole life now. And I mean, journalist, I've been asking questions the entire time, but now I'm just like, whoa, whoa. like what did I not question? Yeah. Yeah. What did I not question? What did I take for granted? So in your perspective, why are people asking more questions now? Because if people are talking about it, people are more intuitive or inquisitive. Into, it's a sharing of information, right? Like, they, like, all the information has become more available. Accessible. You started with blogs. I think, with I think blogs. social, I think the, the, the connectivity. Okay. The thing is, I, actually, maybe, I don't think that it, it's been a case that people haven't been questioning, but before the collective questioning wasn't seen by everyone because we weren't so digitally connected. Yeah. And people yeah. kind of questioning in silo. Yeah. You couldn't, you'd have to find a book or, you know or a I mean? savvy person. Yeah. But just take the example of uh, the pill. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, I've interviewed people who talk about this and it's controversial to criticize yeah. the pill. And I think we probably know why. Yeah. Because it's a yeah. big money maker. Yeah. Huge um, money maker. But that started with, yeah. with blogs. People mm. gathering their stories about what happened to them on the birth control pill. Fertility started mm. with blogs. And then it all became more accessible. And I remember in journalism, starting when blogs came, I had one of the, I had one of the first blogs at our mm. newspaper chain, but using blogs and finding bloggers because they became the experts. Mm. And I remember pitching stories and pe- my, the editors being like, where are you getting this story? And I'd say, well, it's on the blog. So-and-so's the, blog. They'd be like, like that. Mm. And that's, that's where the... That's where the experts started yeah. and connected. Yeah. And that's how, because you can find almost yeah. anything. Yeah. Now this is detrimental as well, because you can find almost anything. Exactly. Yeah. You can and, find- and now now it's very hard to know what, what is to, true. Yeah. Look, we've seen, like, yeah, we've seen this with, sorry, with TikTok, with yeah. the, the narcissist talk. And now it's almost like, oh you, can, you know, everyone's a narcissist. If you went on a date with someone, they didn't call you back. They're a narcissist. narcissist. Yeah. It's like not, and this maybe is how you, were, you deal with the narcissist. Yeah, this is, it's, it's too much, but, but there are narcissists. Yeah. We've all run across but that, them. But that is the thing that I do find quite scary is, you know, like even when, we, when we're saying like somatic and this sort of healing, go on Instagram. Mm. Everyone's a healer. True. Right? Yeah. And But the scary thing is, and I listen to this stuff and I'm listening to this and look at the amount of followers they have and I'm like, oh my God, you're talking absolute shite. It's very hard to decipher what is fact and fiction. But when it comes to, yeah, but when it comes to (laughs) In most journalism even now, I guess. Yeah, but when it comes to healing and when it comes to things to do with mental health, that's a really- Of course. Yeah, but it's such a- so fragile. Very fragile. And that's why- I'm, we can take it to a different level. That's why some of these people feed on vulnerable people. And, yes, they, and they like, exactly. I'm just like, oh my God. It's manipulation. Yeah, it's really, yeah, but it's really scary. It's really is, you know, the, 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 the possible end point of that could be someone getting really hurt. Yeah, we could take I that into a whole, whole new, but we won't go there. I first noticed that in yoga. I first yeah. noticed that like 23 years ago in yoga well, well, when well, I was like, I just think of like the poor divorcing guy who just has no clue mm. Googling and finding some of the yoga teachers that I've come across. Mm. They're preaching and talking crap. Yeah. And I get really nervous. Yeah. No one's your guru. No. That's very important. But on a, you, you get the final question because I think we've got to wrap up. Yeah, we're wrapping up very shortly. Yeah. Um, I'm actually really enjoying this. I topic. know. Because <laughs> like, obviously like, Listen. I, I, I've been to context. Like I've yeah. never had these discussions with a woman well, before. But one thing way. I do want to say is one thing that I love about this movement or this shift is women are finally being seen. Yeah. Not that they weren't before, but there's a level of being seen that wasn't there before. So, for example, if I had a really bad period and it doesn't happen often and, you know, you need to take a sick day, you, you didn't feel that you could, being having a period and, and having that pain was not seen as a reason to be sick. Well, that's it. I just, I can't remember who. T- I think it's yes. Tisha. It's almost like, like menopause leave. So you, you get like an no, extra day No, you have that two. now. You have that. But you also, you also, there are companies that are actually, sorry, um, period, period leave. Menstrual leave, sorry. Yeah, 
menstrually. They they now do it because it's a real freaking thing. Of course it is. Yeah, but but we weren't allowed to Agree. have it. We weren't allowed to feel it. It was you know. Come on, how many times is the joke of oh my god, you got your period? Oh yeah, you're in yeah, pain. Oh, cry me a river. Or yeah. here we go, Shark Week. That's yeah. why you're can't cranky. be a leader because she She's would gonna, like have the too new, new codes and yeah. she might be on her period. I heard that growing up. Oh my god, yeah, can you imagine? Absolutely. That's why I heard that so many times. Why a woman couldn't be president in the U.S. Yeah. when I growing up in North yeah. America? Uh, what because you have a period? Yeah, because yeah. you might oh have your god. period and then you could like create nuclear war. If yeah. you were you'll, you'll press the button war. if it's a bad day. I mean, I heard that too. In the nicest possible way, look at who's had the new codes in the past in the U.S. and they were not women. Yeah. But, like, there was problems there. But on the yeah. flip side, <laughs> um, I was talking to some guy once and we were, you know, saying, you know, as women women have opportunities, the, the why, what's, I, wording I can't remember right, but basically saying that as men get older, as we're getting older, the one thing at least in employment that an older man would have over an older woman is a woman has to deal with menopause. And wow. that in the workplace will give them an advantage crazy because her brain's not working, brain fog and this, that and so the other. By default, men are supposed so, to have more superior brains. But, no, but what I mean is like, again, the, that flip side of yeah. opening the conversation, and I'm glad it's happening there, is because there's even people that think that, oh, wow. brilliant. Well, you know, women in their 50s are, you know, it was one, at one point, we're useless in our 20s because we're, for our, all our lives, because we've got our periods. Then we're useless because, you know, we're going to have babies. And you think once all that's over, it's done. Oh, now we're useless yeah, because we're going to be menopausal. Yeah. You're never the right age. FML. You're, you're too young, then you're too old. Right? It's ridiculous. Yeah. And this brain fog thing, I just say be upfront about it. Yeah. I, you know, I'm in this like crypto what, blockchain community and then the, the guy... Let's go on. Sorry, guys. Well, I, I just saw the guy that's leading this crypto. He just said the other day, like, guys, I'm having some brain fog. Sorry. Yeah. And I was like, brilliant. Look at him just saying it. Brilliant. Like, don't be ashamed then. So I do it at Live Healthy. I say, yeah. guys, I forgot that. You got to tell me because yeah. sometimes I, you know. Yeah. My brain is malfunctioning at such a rapid rate right now. And it's just down to exhaustion yeah. and being consumed with so many things to do. Like, literally, I've had brain fog. But, but, that's what I'm, but that's what I'm loving. I think the world is shifting to a place where we can be more authentic. Yes. We can say, um, you know, it's okay to not be okay. Yes. You know, it's okay to sit in a meeting and say, I'm not sure what the answer is. Because I yeah. always get, you know, people going, oh, you know, how do you sit in meetings or whatever and blah, blah, blah. Or how do you, you know, what would you, I'm so scared of presenting and standing up on stage. And I'm like, what's the worst that happens? Oh, what if someone asks me something I don't know? I don't know. But this takes a tremendous amount of self-awareness and self-worth yeah. to just be okay with saying, I don't know, but the world I screwed up. But, uh, the, but there's been a shift to make it okay. Sorry. There's a collective shift. Yeah. So I'm going to try to get yeah. my questions now. Get your question you in. Go. Have a- so I guess the first, I'm going to ask two, the first, it's like selfish, Oh, you got actually. three. I've got, no, I've got two. So the first question is what more needs to be done? And then the second part of that question is what more needs to be done by men? Ah, okay. Ooh, I like that question yeah. a lot. Uh, we need more research. There are 1.1 million studies when you look in PubMed, which is the database for studies on pregnancy. And there's only like 94,000 on menopause and only 6,000 on perimenopause. So one-tenth of the research. And it crosses everything. Yeah. It crosses every mm-hmm. pain management. It crosses psychology. It crosses gut health. There's just mm-hmm. so many intersections. So it just, we need people yeah. studying it. And but not- even, even fertility, yeah. the research of fertility is dated. So they Which need to say when you think well, about because it. they basically say, listen, when a woman turns 36, she's considered geriatric. That's crazy. Right. Okay. What is that based on? 
research from eons ago. Mm. They haven't updated it. There, there is so much. If they did the stats now, life has changed. Yeah, of course. Women are not starting to have kids till they're 35. Yeah. How can you be geriatric? How can you be geriatric when you're 36? Granted, 40 onwards, it's, you know, the levels drop, but we've changed. Yeah. Like I would love, I would love to see the research and see what fertility for a woman in her 40s actually truly looks like these days. Because there are women having babies in their 40s and without IVF. And healthy babies. And healthy babies. And healthy pregnancies. You know. And you can't be very quite fertile in perimenopause because actually your estrogen is going up and down and up and down. So there's actually times where you can be more fertile. Yeah. There you go. And what can men do? You had your questions. Brilliant. Like honestly, this is like a topic which I've never ever discussed before. Ask questions and listen. Okay. And... um. Yeah, just be curious and open and not like Give space. grossed out and, and, and question if you're like, oh, yeah. menopause. Yeah. And, you know, I heard someone the other day say that her husband said, uh, are you going to be talking about perimenopause? Is everything going to be perimenopause now? Yeah, maybe. No. <laughs> <laughs> For a while anyway. For a while, yeah. yeah. While I go through it. Yeah, because my only kind of connection to the menopause is, you know, like, I think my, you know, my mother went through it. Um, well, you she... think, of course she did. <laughs> no, no, no. So, no, she, sorry, she has gone through it. Like, you know, she's oh, in the 60s in, yeah. now. I'm just trying to think, as a, going through childhood, she had to have a hysterectomy. And I think that, mm. I think it brings it on early. On the menopause, yeah. I think, from my yeah, understanding. Yeah. I'm just trying to figure out, like, kind of what happened. And yeah. I just remember she was having patches because she was emotional. Yeah. And, you know, even then at the time, you know, people would be like, oh, your mum's emotional because you're on the menopause. It was kind of very dismissed. I just, I just wish people, those are the statements it. I don't want to hear. Yeah. Or, you know, she's emotional because she's, param- you know, she's <clears throat> menopausal. It's like, can you just, I'm emotional because I'm emotional. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> don't invalidate my feelings. It's like when, when a girl is on, you know, if, if a girl gets cranky, she must be on her period. I'm like, oh, for the love of God, I'm cranky because you're being a dipshit. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of anger at this time of yeah. life, which I think scares people. Yeah. And there's a lot of anger because anger and grief. Mm. Because you're coming through your whole yeah. life and you're reckoning with a lot of things that have yeah. happened and, yeah. and what you've done and said and swallowed and put up yeah. with. And, yeah, true. And so there's a lot of reckoning. And I wonder if you could just, do you think you could ever talk to your mom about it and ask her? Um, Actually, I could actually with my mom. Like we have a very open relationship and we talk about the most random things. Yes. I've never felt the need yeah, why would you? It, it's, it's, yeah, but, why but would it's I? a very like, until until we're talking right now. Then maybe next time when yeah. I see, I'll be like, oh, okay. So but tell that's me about a beautiful your thing you've done. You've actually the the thing that I think people don't realize and and is that you said when it comes to menopause and at that time, there's a lot of self reflection that happens about your life. Yes, you don't it's think about that. You that always you think about make. the physicality of what's happening to you and not what happens there because yeah, you you're you're facing your mortality. Really? You're right. facing so, 100% your mortality, your uh, reckoning with your past. Which, but that's yeah. what I mean, what which makes done. you look at your past and, yeah. and look at your life. But you also have wow. probably 30, 40 years left to live. Yeah, no, yeah. but you, you think you don't. <laughs> because this is not the end. Right. This is the beginning of a next no, but It's a very big transition. Yeah. yeah, it's hard to yeah. unpack. Yeah. It's very, it's, it's yeah. very hard to talk about. Yeah. Because there's so much there. Yeah. And you have a lot of people have young kids and a lot of people have aging parents and that yeah. all hits at, at, yeah. at, at the same time. But they've That's also redefined. Well. Remember, yeah. Dr. Saleha was the one, I saw a piece that she did um, explaining what midlife crisis is. Because yeah. everyone thinks, oh, midlife crisis is, you know, going out and buying a Ferrari. But it isn't. It's it's basically, it's actually a passage that yeah. for you to start to go into the next chapter of your life. But it's a time where... It's the first time in your life that you've had a moment to stop running because usually yeah. it's in your 40s, right? Yeah. You got into a point where you're a good place in your career. 
you know, life is good. You've had your, you know, kids or whatever, usually, yeah. you know, and then it's a time where you stop and you sort of, and it's, it's the same thing, you know, I think it's the next one with menopause, but it's the, it's the beginning of the sort of. The next phase. Well, no, you, you actually stop and look at who you are. And it's the first time that you get to stop and go, okay, so I'm, and you look at things, the way you've lived and you start questioning. And sometimes in this part, there's a lot of self-awareness that happens that didn't happen yeah. before that you go, hold on a minute. I've been living a life that I don't want. Yeah. yeah, true. Right. So that's where you see people, you know, ditch their job and go, you know, I don't know, pick, go to the mountains and become a ski instructor. But it's not that they've lost their mind. Yeah. They're finally living their truth. Yeah. True. And sometimes they also mourn a loss. Yeah. You know, it's so a, you it's grief earlier. But yeah. before we, you know, it was all these things were defined in such negative ways. Yeah. I'm loving the Oof. collective shift. Lastly, there's just a shift from the maiden to, yeah. the, mo- to the mother. I've been re- learning a lot about oh. this lately in feminine literature where the maiden lives according to the expectations of others and sacrifices herself a lot. And it's becoming your own mother. Oh, wow. And, and, making yourself happy and living according to um, the rhythm of your own heart. And I call this sometimes the heroine's journey based on the hero's journey, which is at the center of every book written or movie or poem. And Dr. Afridi talks about it. I've spoken with her before uh, where you're called to change everything. And you really suffer when you ignore the call. Yeah. Um, So that's, it's a, it's a really beautiful time. It's a lot though. Yeah. You have given me so much to think about. Like I'm literally <laughs> spinning, spinning. Oh, nice. <laughs> Thank you so much Amazing. for joining us. Thank you for having yeah, me. Anytime. I'd Thank be you. excited to have you back again. No, we'll get you Pretty back. We'll get you this. back. Mm. Cool. Thank right. you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Rooted Within. If you like this episode, please make sure you drop a follow so you never miss an episode in the future. Rooted Within with Lillian Dan. <laughs>